Hello there, and welcome back for another episode. Today, I am honored to be joined by Michael Branch. Everton supporters might remember Michael Branch for debuting with the Top Flight Club at 17 years of age in the 90s, and garnering attention as a potential next great striker in the city of Liverpool. In a career which witnessed Branch enjoy stints with several clubs, including the likes of Wolves and Manchester City, the Liverpool native ultimately retired from the game out of a lack of the same love which initially drew him toward a professional career. Branch spent some time in prison following his retirement, he now finds himself playing an active role engaging with Everton's alumni through Everton in the community, and he was generous enough to sit down with me to share his experience handling the pressures of a professional career and transitioning into retirement in order to shed light on player care and the transition which every athlete inevitably has to make. Once again, a big thank you to Michael for his involvement with this episode, and enjoy. So, Michael, as you know, I have brought you on the podcast here today to discuss your transition from a career in professional football to a transition into retirement. But of course, before we get into the retirement element of this episode, I think it's important that we recognize who you were as a footballer, because of course, without a career in football, there cannot be a transition from football no, to retirement. It'd so, be a bit hard, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be a bit difficult. Yeah. Uh, so. Of course, Michael, I'd just like to learn a little bit about, you can take this in any direction you'd like, just what um, your experience was gaining interest in football and, and when this started to become a serious reality as a, a possible option for you early in your life. Yeah, sure. So um, I started playing football around eight, seven, eight, first time. Then um, I got picked up by Everton when I was nine or ten, I think it was, at the School of Excellence. So we go there a couple of times after school, train, and then that was it. It was full on from there onwards, sort of thing. So from seven, eight, I've been football's been my life. From about, I'd say from ten, I not that I sort of knew, but everyone knew I was, I was probably special. Um, I was breaking all the records, played for Liverpool schoolboys. And then that was it, then full on. Made me debut for Everton when I was 17. I was the youngest in the Premiership at the time. Um, at Old Trafford, 55,000, which is good. Uh, played in the Premiership 50-odd times. Then went to Wolves, Bradford, Chester. Finished my career in Australia. Well, I say finished my career. I sort of finished my career in the UK and then went out to Australia for a little bit. But yeah, it was full on. My whole life was football. And could you describe to me in your career what your proudest moment was? Um, obviously, I represented my country. I represented my country in the 15s, 16s, 17s, 18s and 21s. I just missed out on the full cap, but I've got the rest of them. But playing for Everton, my first game for Everton. I mean, I'm an Everton fan from when I was little. Playing in the streets with a ball, you'd always dreamt of scoring for Everton at Goodison at the uh, Gladys Street end, and I've done that. So, yeah. I don't know, okay. It didn't pan out as well as I thought it would have or wished it would have, but I don't know, okay. Okay, and now, of course, I, I mentioned at the start of this episode that we were going to get into your, your retirement. Yeah. What was, I'd like to know, as I've read a couple articles, and, and you can tell me if this is, is accurate or not, but you described that your, your love for the, the game sort of became less as your career progressed. Could you yeah. enlighten me a little bit what that what that feeling sort of felt like how that occurred and, uh, and when you started to consider retirement 
Okay, so I mean, I've struggled. I made my debut at seventeen. At the time, I was the best young prospect in the country. All the clubs wanted to sign me, so everything's going good. Time for Everton. First few months or first half a season, everything's good. You knew. Uh, but then as as you as you don't progress as much as you wish, then the pressure starts coming on. And I didn't know how, how to handle that kind of pressure. Back then, we didn't have our sports psychologists or any mentors or stuff like that. So I was just a 17-year-old lad living in a city that lives and breathes football. You're not playing well. Um, a, lot, a lot goes through your head. So then I moved to Wolves. And then I don't know, the more... Uh, Wolves was really... I really enjoyed Wolves because I was away from the city, less pressure. But then I fell out with the manager and I sort of that's when I started falling out with love with the game. And then each club I went to, I was sort of dropping down a division. And I was just thinking, oh, this is becoming a chore now. It's not it's not the fun it used to be. I'm not enjoying it. I'm just going through the motions. It's not fair on my teammates, it's not fair on the fans. Um and then one day I phoned up the manager at Chester. I still had two years left on my contract and just said I'm not coming in no more. I was captain at Chester at the time. And I just said, I'm not coming in. I can't do it no more. So was it a, a rather abrupt change for you going from playing football professionally to having your career exactly. change that quickly? Yeah. Um, I probably rushed into it, to be honest with you. Uh, I should have took some advice, but I just, like all my decisions in life, I just do it and then think about it later. Uh, so then I was just sat at home thinking, what do I do now? Like, I've known football all my life, and now for the last 20 odd years, I've played football every morning. What do I do now? That was tough. I struggled a little bit with that for a bit. Uh, and then I don't know whether I was running away or I just decided I needed a break, but we took the family to Australia. Uh, and I coached out there and started to enjoy it again, played a little bit part time. That was good. But then we come back to the UK and same again, you're, you're back, you've got no job, you've still got bills and you're missing football, you're missing your mates. And that, it was lonely, it was lonely without football. Is there anything that you would have done differently had you had the opportunity to make the decision again? Yeah, I would definitely have took some advice. I would have spoken to... Uh, we have a union, the PFA, Professional Football Association. They look after us. I would have spoke to someone there. I would have uh, spoke to teammates and all that instead of... And maybe some older pros who'd already finished. Ask them what they thought about when... Because if someone asked me, I'd say play as long as you can now. I was I was only... I think it was 27 or 28. I could still play, you know what I mean? I'm just that enough. So I do regret it, to be honest. I understand that, and I appreciate you being so open about it. For for yeah. a little context, was the PFA as I, I understand they have some some resources for, for players now. Was that as popular at the time you retired as it is now, would you say? No, no, it's getting popular. So uh, up until COVID, I'd, when I was back, obviously once I got released, once I uh, was back here. So the PFA are doing a, a transitional days for players who are coming out of contract or about to retire. So we do like a two-day workshop now. I'll, I'll give a talk about my experience. We'll have other people giving talks. So they are doing a lot more. Like, but what are we going to do after the game? You know what I mean? You need plan B. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was 17, the PFA had come to good, come to Everton. And you tell us you need to start planning for when you retire. 
you're 17, you, you, you've just made your debut forever, and you're not thinking about retirement. Right. You know what I mean? But Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, he's saying, because it's the same guy who come in to talk to me who I now work with, and he's saying, we just can't get, we can't get through to them because they're so young, it's just all football. They don't think 15, 20 years down the line. So it's tough. It's just getting, it's just getting through to them. But we can only try. We can only try. So, so I'm interested. When you decided to retire, did you ever consider reaching out to the the PFA, or was that something which more or less was was not really on your mind? I should. I no. At the time, I didn't think about reaching out to them because I didn't know the resources were there at the time, and I think my decision was made. I think. Um, maybe I was just unhappy with the, me performances, the way I was playing, and maybe I've, I've just sort of used that as an excuse and didn't enjoy the game. I don't know. A lot was going on at the time, and I've learned a lot more about myself since then and my way of thinking and how it's not always right, and I have to start opening up to people and getting other people's advice on stuff. Right, I understand. And something which I've, I've considered, I... I understand how you mentioned that you weren't aware the resources were there, simply put. is Do you think it would be beneficial to footballers who are considering retirement if the PFA, say, not to say it would be mandatory, but to say it would be sort of a natural progression in retirement if these resources were part of a player's, um, starting to find the word, part of the process of a player retiring, if that makes sense. Because a lot yeah, of what um, I've heard sounds like players sometimes need to initiate the contact, whereas I feel like, do you think it would be useful if the PFA was was there as part of the process, if that makes sense? In a perfect world, yeah. But footballers are that busy. The PFA will never get time to see them unless they're young at the academy's age. Once they get older than that, once they're in first team, you know, you've got no chance of getting older the PFA. Uh, the PFA getting older the players unless the players initiate it. That's just the way it works, the game. Uh, and it is there. It's there now, a lot more than it was. I mean, I'm forever getting bombarded by emails off the PFA of what, what they're offering and what this, that and the other. Because um, I think it is a big, especially the mental health side of it, you know what I mean? Help once you leave. So I, could, so I work back at Everton. Now I work for our charity, in our charity arm, Everton in the Community. But I'm starting a new role shortly, and it's going to be our former players coordinator. So I'm going to be dealing with all our former players. That's uh, wonderful. CIA, yeah, it's amazing. So see, as a club, how we can help them. I'm going to be putting some uh, golf days on, some coffee mornings, or just keep, keeping them involved and just see it as a club. Because one of our values is family, and just keep them involved in the Everton family. So I'm really looking forward to it. Plus, we're leaving our stadium next season. Is our last season on our stadium. We're moving into a brand new three hundred million pound stadium, um, so we want to try and get as many ex players back for the final season. Yeah, so it'll be good. It's a good challenge. I'm looking forward to. Oh, that's incredible! I love how how committed you you are to bringing the the former players back and really constructing this African yeah. community. I think that's wonderful. And I mean, part of what I'm doing in this episode, the reason I'm speaking to you is because I. I feel very passionately about how important it is to have former players engaged and, and give them a space to, to feel connected, to, to be involved. Um, I love that. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I think that's incredible. Yeah. yeah and, really and I think that naturally, really... naturally builds into my next question. And I know you mentioned a lot of it already, but what are some things you've been involved since 
since retiring, I know you're, you're quite busy now. What are, I think I saw on your Instagram, you were, what were you in Italy last week? Yeah, I done, uh, went to Italy uh, last Friday and um, done the road marathon while I was there. Uh, yeah, so I've got into me running. Uh, got a staff game tomorrow up at uh, the training ground. Got a staff game. We're playing the NHS tomorrow, so uh, I run our staff team. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. And you know what it is? It's those are, it's not it's not a dressing room, but it's as close as I can get now, that community of... Because we've right. got we've got a we've got a big uh, group of employees and we all work for the charity, so we're all giving back. All right, we get paid, but we're giving back because Everton are the biggest football sport and charity by funding in the world. Oh wow! Like it's crazy how much we do. Um, so we've got I think we've got like fifty two different programs running at the minute. So from within Everton the community you can be involved from the day you're born because we do new dad's programs to dimension at the end of life stuff it's like all through so at the moment I'm in our we've got a house where we have four residents stay 24 hours so I'm on a 24 hour shift now so I start at 10 this morning and I'll finish at 10 in the morning okay we just uh, you move in with us for six months we give them the uh, life skills to go and then live on their own and um, so it's good it's good giving back yeah, but the city, the city is the city. Everyone knows Liverpool, but there's some really, really poor parts and people really struggling in the city. So it's nice to give back. I would once more like to extend my gratitude to Michael Branch for generously discussing a topic which few footballers are willing to openly share about: mental health and sport. Michael's story reveals the need for further guidance for athletes exiting the game which they once loved. Something which he is playing an active role toward improving through his work with Everton in the community. Be on the lookout for future episodes, which will be released shortly, as Podcast from the Pitch continues to take a closer look at player care and the resources which exist for athletes entering an unprecedented phase of their lives.